in the meditations in each of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may know the common practice for pastors that after serving in a particular ministry for seven years, to take a three-month leave or a time apart called a sabbatical. And I want to share with you that the sabbatical did its job of helping me rest and reflect and renew and contemplate in a deep way what it means to be a follower of Christ and what is this journey of faith all about. And I'm just filled with gratitude for that time and for all of you and for our sojourn together and uh, for what God is doing in and through us. So thank you again. It was an exciting week this past Monday. I hope some of you or all of you got to witness at least part of the solar eclipse. I know many of you who traveled so you could see the eclipse in its totality. And I hope you were not disappointed. I joined the Knox staff and some of the construction crew from downstairs and neighbors outside on the sidewalk with our shoe boxes and our post-it notes and eclipse glasses. And it truly is divine, this phenomenon. And as I contemplated the eclipse alongside the scripture this week, and the events of the world that are going on around us. I thought of the light of the sun, the wonder of the moon alongside the darkness that we can experience in our world because we are humans. The devastation by tropical storms and hurricanes like in Texas, or North Korea's ongoing missile tests, or the wars that carry on and on across nations in the world and especially in our country, the ongoing effects of the white supremacist demonstration in Charlottesville a couple of weeks ago. When I came back from my sabbatical, it was around that time I was re-entering into the world and getting reacquainted with media. So those images are still distressing in my heart and I know for many of us. So as I think about all of these things, I think of Jesus' words in the scripture, in the Gospel of John. He says, I am the light of the world. The darkness has not, will not overcome it. So I think about the ways the darkness of the brokenness of humanity threatens to overcome the light of Christ in the world. It seems a total eclipse of the light of God is only a breath of way sometimes, as our nation is in grief and disbelief and outrage too over the events of Charlottesville. But we have the gift of God's word in scripture for our hope and for our guidance. And we go there now as we ask the question, how do we respond to any darkness in the world as God's people? Douglas read in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? He first wonders, well, who the people out there say that I am? And the disciples share, well, some over here think you're John the Baptist, and some in this camp think you're one of the great prophets like Elijah or Jeremiah. Okay, but who do you say that I am? And speaking on behalf of the rest, Peter, always bold, proclaims with joy, 
You are the Christ, the Messiah, the saving one, the son of the living God. And as he speaks, he bears witness that Jesus is not something old, but something new, not something dead, but something very much alive that has come to them, to the world, from the living God. Jesus shares in Peter's joy and celebrates that his insight did not come from other humans, but directly from God. And then Jesus goes on to tell the disciples about the authority they possess as his followers, as members of the community that's growing up around him called the church. Jesus says, with this authority, whatever you bind here on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loosen is loosened. These are rabbinic teaching terms to mean forbid or permit. Jesus charged his disciples to demonstrate in word and deed all that aligns with God's realm and what opposes it. And to demonstrate what a life lived according to the word of God looks like. And then having confirmed Peter's testimony that he was indeed from God, having confirmed their authority to share the good news, he tells them sternly, but do not tell anyone. We wonder about why Jesus says this throughout the Gospels. We read in our Hebrew scriptures in the book of Ecclesiastes, the familiar, for everything there is a season, a time for every matter under heaven. And it goes on to to include There's a time to keep silence and a time to speak. Jesus had good reasons for requiring silence at that time. On the one hand, his disciples were still very much in their faith formation. They were still processing and learning who he was. Their understanding had a lot left to grow. And on the other hand, Jesus had enemies out there who thought of him as a criminal, who, as the son of the living God, declared him a blasphemer, and they were seeking to end his life. Jesus knew the danger, the life-and-death situation that he was in. It was still time to keep silent. So let's fast forward with our journey of Jesus. Spoiler alert. We know that against Jesus did not succeed against those wanting to put him to death. He was crucified. But in God's realm, though death is definitely part of our human journey, it's not the last word for us. So on the third day, Jesus was raised to new life. And immediately, he began to appear to those closest to him, those who were ready to see him and hear him those who had eyes to see and ears to hear. And his command to each and every one of those people, his command to us as the church today, is his command at the very end of Matthew's Gospel. He says, go and tell. Go and tell, and as you do, shine God's light that dwells within you and show the world God's love for all people, a love that heals everything. This is no time to keep silent. Now is the time to speak. After the disturbing events in Charlottesville, three faith leaders were interviewed for a story 
about how they were helping their communities heal. Dr. David Anderson, the pastor of Bridgeway Community Church in Maryland, Rabbi Rachel Gartner of Georgetown University, and Imam Talib Sharif of the Nation's Mosque, also in Washington, D.C. And each of them shared the ways their communities are experiencing shock and grief still. And each shared how they hear God calling all of us as people of faith to respond. Pastor Anderson said, for all who are against white supremacy, thanks be to God. And it's time for us to find our voice if we haven't yet. We can no longer keep silent, he said. It's time to speak. He said, against all the ways that good, faithful religions have been twisted for evil or for selfish gain, it's time to speak. For what we permit on earth will be permitted in heaven, and what we forbid on earth will be forbidden. And Rabbi Gartner quoted from our common scriptures from the prophet Malachi chapter 2. Have we not one parent? Did not one God create us? Why then do we break faith with one another? And she went on to share the teaching of the rabbis who say, Why did God make us all from one earthling? Precisely so that no one can say, My ancestors are greater than yours. And Imam Sharif reminds us that we are all from one book, as people of the book. Our three faith traditions are very much connected. We share prophets and we share the goodness of all those prophets. And from Islam, we get the teaching of God, I made you so that you would struggle with one another to do good and come to know each other. So the recent acts of white supremacists is just one example of many in our world, of our tendency to forget the truth about ourselves as God's children, that we are all connected. We are all part of God's beloved human family that no one is greater than anyone else and no one is less than anyone else in the eyes of our Creator. We may not always like our family members as we know in truth and reality, either in our own homes or in the world. But God teaches us that when we remember we're connected, life will be better. When Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? He knows it's time for them to speak up, to give voice about what they have seen and heard about God's light to the world. For very soon, it would be time for them to take their voices into the world, to show and tell about God's healing, love, and light. Friends, as disciples of Christ, as the Church of Christ in the world, it's that time for us today and every day to move from silence to speaking to answer Jesus' question, who do you say that I am? And then go and tell and go and show to be vessels of God's light, even to and especially to our enemies. For wherever enemies exist, there are wounds that need healing. There is brokenness that needs binding up. There is misunderstanding that needs God's truth. There are divisions that need unifying. 
And we are called to bring our voices and our lives to this mission and to allow God to do God's mighty work through us. But we cannot give away very well what we don't have or what we don't believe we have. We won't be as available to God. We may feel we don't have a good enough understanding ourselves about who Jesus is or who God is. Or maybe we don't believe God could really love us as much as Jesus declares. Maybe we struggle to believe that those who hate and kill are loved by God with the same measure. While on sabbatical this summer, I took a 30-day silent retreat to make, as they say, the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius Loyola, a man who lived about 500 years ago and was given through divine revelation a process called the exercises of coming to truly know in the depth of one's heart the unending love of God for us and the delight of God for us, and in that knowing to understand God's purpose for us, which is to share in that love to receive it and give it away every day out into the world. Well, to help us retreatants grasp this, our, spirit, our individual spiritual directors guided us in imaginative contemplation, which is a type of prayer using the imaginations that God gave us to draw closer to God, believing that the fastest way to move from head to heart is through an image. And the first image they gave us to contemplate was of a mother holding her baby in her arms as they shared a smile, as they exchanged a gaze of love. We were to imagine ourselves as that baby and God as that mother and simply get quiet and still and allow God's loving gaze and to stay quiet and still as long as it took until it penetrated our hearts and we came to believe even a little. I invite you to take that image home with you. It helps me and blesses me still to remember who God is and who Christ is and who you are and who I am. I was given another image that continues to grace me today. On the first day of the retreat, after we all went mute, there are about 20 of us now keeping silence together, I ventured off the retreat grounds to a nearby park, a redwood grove, a grove of beautiful but young redwoods that had a boardwalk through the tiny forest. And as I was down there, I noticed there were people from the community on the boardwalk. And I'm a, I'm a rule follower. And I thought, I don't want to see anybody. What if they talk to me? I'm supposed to keep silent. So I looked at the people and I turned around and went the other way. And as I did, I heard this little young boy's voice say, Hello? 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 I decided he was not talking to me and I started walking faster. <laughs> because in my heart I knew he was talking to me. And I didn't want to just ignore him. But I had seen him earlier. It was a little boy on probably a brand new bicycle with training wheels, helmet, the flag, the whole nine yards. 
And as he is saying, hello, hello, I heard his dad say, come on, honey. And he said, just a minute, dad. Hello? And I finally stopped, and I turned around, and as I did, he stopped pedaling, he stopped speaking, he looked at me, I looked at him, and I waved and smiled, and he waved and smiled, and then I turned around and left. I didn't have to use words. And what I beheld in that little boy, like the image of the mother and the baby, was the image of God, who not only gazes at us with love, but longs for us to gaze back so that we know we are truly seen. And this God who sees us is not mute. This God is one who continues to say, Hello? Hello? And no matter what you're doing, God will keep saying that so that we might truly know God hears us and sees us. And with these images, with the knowledge of our belovedness, with the knowledge of every human's belovedness, may we have the confidence of Peter today to really proclaim who Jesus is as the saving one, the one who points us to God, that we might go out, especially to those who are so broken and don't understand God's love so that they create evil, that we might help bind up wounds and heal broken hearts. Friends, may we go knowing God sees us, calls to us, and may we do the same for one another. May the peace of Christ be with us. Thanks be to God. Amen.